Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're going to start our journey into Matthew chapter 6, but we're going to continue our journey in the Sermon on the Mount series because the words of Jesus in this address to the crowd spans chapters 5 through 7. We begin a new topic as we enter chapter 6, how to and how not to give. Now, giving out of your abundance to those in need is a good thing. But your motive can be hypocritical, and that's the warning here. When you think about it, there are lots of things we can do that are good things, but when they're done with the wrong motivations, such as being noticed by men and obtaining reputation credits, we forego the real blessing of doing a good thing. Is that confusing? Well, Pastor Jim is sure to clear up any mess that I've caused this week, but I think the bottom line is this. In doing good deeds, it is better to have the blessing of God than the esteem of men. And if our motive is the esteem of men, we forego the blessing of God. Here's today's slice of the sermon entitled, Leave the Trumpet at Home. But the second form of hypocrisy that Satan delights in, maybe just as much, is that of true believers who are sinful but pretending to be spiritual. In other words, not dealing with their heart, operating from an evil heart, and then whitewashing it, making it look good. The warning that Jesus gives about uh, beware, don't do it this way, that applies to both kinds of hypocrites. If what you portray to other people is not what you are on the inside, he's speaking directly to you. I ran across a quote from uh, Augustine on this verse. He says this, The love of honor is the deadly bane of true piety. Other vices bring forth evil works, but this brings forth good works in an evil way. Hypocrisy is the homage that vice pays to virtue. Oh, isn't that good? How much more diabolical to do something that looks good, even is good in the act itself, and do it from an evil heart. What, What a wonderful way to misrepresent God. Now notice here, Jesus says, when you give to the poor. That means He's talking about something that He expects people to do. He doesn't say, if you give to the poor, if you give alms. Uh, He's saying, when you do it. Now, giving to the poor or giving alms, we don't usually use the word alms, um, but it is a very good word. It's It's a translation of a word that's based on the root that means pity or mercy or compassion. It means to uh, show compassion or exercise mercy toward other people. We have a fancy word in English, unless you are um, a, a lawyer or maybe a CPA, you probably don't know this word, but it's a great one, eleemosynary. 
you, if you need a word for uh, Scrabble, that would be that would be fun. But there's only one really rare letter in it. Why it happens twice? Eleemosynary means charitable, supported by or dependent upon charity, or given by charity. Something gratuitous, something that is that is free. The church is an eleemosynary organization. Your contributions are. Eliamasonary acts, meaning they're charity. It's just, it's by, it's by giving. We don't operate business to make a profit. It's a result of giving. Now, Jesus presumes that people who love God, how do you spot them? Well, see all of the Beatitudes, people whose hearts have been changed. He presumes that people who love God are going to give charitably. Now, in this particular context, and with the words he uses, his emphasis is on giving specifically designed to help with immediate needs. To give alms or to give to the poor means to help a person in need at the moment. So, like, for example, uh, we're a church. We're a group of people that, that works together to serve Christ, to be part of His process of, of building the church. And, and every year, you're presented with a budget, and it's a bunch of numbers, and nobody can make any sense of it unless you're the one that created it. You can ask them the question, and then you can understand the answer. Well, no, they will happily explain it to you. But that's broken down into several different categories. Now, it's not exactly a romantic idea to give toward the last... HVAC unit that went out that needs to be replaced. Okay, that's not that's not fun, but that's part of having the building to be the facility to facilitate the things that that need to be done. There's a matter of of paying the utilities. There's the matter of uh, supporting people who head up ministries. But then there's the category we call it benevolence, and that's what this is talking about: uh, giving specifically to address urgent needs of people who can't help themselves. Now, the custom that Jesus is referring to was part of the function of the temple in Jerusalem. There was a specific place there to give for the needy or to give your alms or to contribute to help the poor. This was not part of tithing. Uh, Tithing in Israel People think God requires you to give 10%. Actually, He required Israelites to give a tenth every year, and then another tenth every year, and then a third tenth every third year. Those things supported the priesthood and the temple and the theocratic government of Israel. Giving alms was completely over and above that. A matter of privately between you and God, um, strictly an act of compassion. Now, the tragedy is that in the time of Jesus, giving alms had become an art form for hypocritical, pseudo-religious show-offs. They loved to have people see how generous they were. Now, the problem is not that poor people were being helped. They were. I mean, the alms that went into that receptacle in the temple treasury, they did go to help the poor. The tragedy was the perversion in the heart of the people who were giving for the wrong motive. Now, 
we know that the rabbis of that era helped along this practice of phoniness. Just as they had uh, corrupted the teaching of the law. How many times did Jesus say, You've heard it was said, but I say to you. And he pointed out how they were twisting what God said. Uh, We have some statements from Jewish uh, authorities that were recorded later, but it reflects the situation in the first century. And from two Jewish apocryphal books, we have these words. You can take a look at these. In um, the book of Tobit, chapter 12, verse 8. It is better to give to charity than to lay up gold. Now, so far, so good. Uh, Jesus is going to say, lay up treasures in heaven, don't lay up treasures on earth. That part's good. But listen to what the whole sentence is, or the whole section is. It's better to give to charity than to lay up gold. For charity will save a man from death. It will expiate any sin. Expiate means atone for. Or there's the wisdom of Sirach, another apocryphal book. Chapter 3, verse 30. As water will quench a flaming fire, so charity will atone for sin. Now, that, my friends, is, it, it's just a little bit off by 180 degrees. Totally the opposite of what the Bible teaches. And understand, it is because of false doctrine like that that many Jews in Jesus' day believed that salvation was much easier for a rich person because that person could buy their way into heaven by being generous to the poor. They'd at least get an inside track. If you can actually atone for your sins, squelch the flaming fire of the wrath of God by giving to the poor, hey, where do I give? Just sign me up for that. Now, does that bring to your mind a passage that we studied in Mark. As a matter of fact, I think this one aired on the radio in the last uh, week or two as the radio is working its way through our sermons in Mark. Um, Jesus evoked a very strong reaction when He said this in Mark 10, verse 25. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, He said that to people who had been taught that the rich had an inside track on getting into the kingdom of God because they could give more to the poor than could a poor person. So that caused quite a reaction on the part of His disciples. We go on to verse 26. They were even more astonished and said to Him, Then who can be saved? They knew how simple it was to get a camel through the eye of a needle. You can't do it. That was a statement of impossibility. That was like saying, therefore, you must be perfect like your heavenly Father is perfect. Or, therefore, you need a righteousness that totally surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees. So looking at them, Jesus said, with people, it is impossible. But not with God, for all things are possible with God. Now, what is the it that's impossible? Well, then who can be saved? 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.